Welcome to What the Foster, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the voiceless. This season, we're focusing on the often unheard and invisible population of current and former youth in foster care. What the Foster is produced by Umbrella, a New Jersey foster care nonprofit. I'm your host, Frank. This week, you'll hear from German immigrant Stephanie as she finds herself in foster care shortly after moving to the United States. As she struggled to adapt to an unfamiliar country, Stephanie found her family falling apart. This is part one of Stephanie's story. So my life journey um, started really when I immigrated here from Germany. Born in Germany, at the age of one, my parents are by ethnicity Ghanaian, West African, and so I went to live with my grandmother in uh, Ghana for four years. At five, I came back to Germany for another year, went back to Ghana, and then at age, for another year, and then at age six or seven, I moved back to Germany up until 14 when I moved to U.S. Unfortunately for Stephanie, this move would be the beginning of her family troubles. Once stateside, marital issues between Stephanie's parents reached a breaking point. But, you know, as life will have it, anything can happen, even in the most stable of stable homes. And so there were definitely some marital problems between my mom and dad, and I personally experienced some of that um, through, uh, you know, sexual abuse by my stepfather and also physical and verbal abuse. Many foster children are victims of abuse. Abuse, along with other traumatic experiences, is classified by child welfare experts as an adverse childhood experience, or ACE. We've spoken a little bit about ACEs in the past. 51% of children in foster care report having four or more ACEs. Only 14% of children not in care reported the same. Children with more ACEs have a greater likelihood of childhood behavioral problems like aggression, suicide, drugs and alcohol abuse, running away, teen prostitution, and sexual assault. Children in foster care are five times more likely to exhibit these behaviors than children not in care. I guess that, that you know, took place, you know, when we transitioned to America, uh, about a year in, from 04 to 05 was uh, hell for me. I don't know, it, it was just a very tough time. Tough time, I think, as a teenager going to high school in a whole new country, yeah. learning cultures and language and then having to deal with home issues, it was tough. But in 05, um, after several incidents, incidents and neighbors calling the cops, um, Dyfus at that time uh, became involved. Stephanie's story takes place well before the DCF changeover we've mentioned in previous episodes. Many of the reforms that have taken place since then address a number of challenges Stephanie faced. But back in 2005, the future of foster care wasn't something she thought much about. Unfortunately, that was all about to change on her 17th birthday. And they um, had regular visits with us, but they decided on my 17th birthday that enough is enough because at that point, uh, the abuse had gotten so bad, um, not, not particularly for me, but for my mother, because she was also physically abused, and so they separated us on my birthday. Placement into foster care brings with it its own form of trauma. For this reason, Child welfare organizations try to limit the number of times they move a child from home to home while in foster care. 
October 13th, I was just turning 17 and I came home. My mom was going to get the cake out and DIFUS or DCPMP and cops came into my home and said, nope, you guys have to leave. The family was being split up. On top of the trauma of removal, Stephanie and her siblings would have to deal with their separation from each other. And that, I didn't know that on that birthday would be the last time I would be with my mom, my brother and sister together as a family. So that started my journey in foster care and also my journey to, um, I guess, where I am now. Stephanie described the process for us in detail. What happens next is there's a lot of uh, paperwork involved, police filing, because as I mentioned, um, this has been going on for about a year, and so police had gotten a report on just the different activities that were happening in the family. And so um, the I remember we went to the Perth Amboy office, the DIFUS office, I don't know if that's still open or not, and we waited there for about an hour and a half. Um, just a period of agony because, you know, my mom was crying. You know, I was just like, gosh. So I'm not going to blow up my cake. I'm still so, so thinking about the cake because right. I was in Because <laughs> my mom cooked and, you know, cake was there. And I'm like, geez, like, can we go back home so I can, like, finish yeah. uh, the cake experience? Because during that time, having those moments, created some type of normality for us, right? So it wasn't a happy home, but my mom was big on birthdays, big on celebra celebrating life, so that would have been a great moment for us to just escape reality for a little bit, but that didn't happen. So while we were at the Perth Amboy office, they decided that we could not go back into that environment because it was too, um, uh, I guess not safe for us. So they placed my mom in a women's shelter in East Orange. Stephanie's siblings, being young, stayed with her mother in East Orange, but Stephanie would not be with them. The change of communities and environments is another form of traumatic event. Sometimes communities are so vastly different that it can take a long time for a child to adjust. As we heard in Casey's story, each new move is statistically correlated to months of lost education. Just imagine you're going from Old Bridge to East Orange. Yeah. For reference, NeighborhoodScout.com gives Old Bridge a 71 out of 100 rating for crime, 100 being the safest. East Orange received a 26 on the same scale. So when my mom and siblings were placed in the women's shelter, I ended up living with a family friend because they wanted to make sure that I stayed in high school. As a form of kinship placement, this kind of arrangement is not unusual. But kinship caregiving can be difficult as relatives and family friends can be unprepared for the challenges of raising their niece, nephew, or friend's child. For Stephanie, her stay with her family friend would be temporary. While I was there, an incident happened and you know, I think because it's interesting when you're in a vulnerable moment, you know, you really see the nature of human being. You either see the worst or the best in them. And so I just happened to experience the worst while there. And the incident, because of that incident, um, I, I, I think the family member there asked that I no longer stay with them. And I was just like, you know what, this is for the best. Um, I should probably just go wherever 
I'm more welcomed. And so that kind of um, started my breakdown of trust with people. Actually, it started with really my stepfather, you know, the whole issue. But that really broke trust for me and humanity or just strangers or people in general. Trust is a huge issue for children and youth in care. According to Umbrella's News From Our Heart newsletter, the difficulty to trust stems from feelings of being rejected. Being in foster care or group homes can also contribute to feelings of low self-esteem and low self-worth. According to mental health experts, there can also be significant concerns about feeling abandonable and not good enough. Thanks to research like the ACEs study, we know that children who endured a heightened amount of adversity are at a high risk of psychological conflicts regardless of a loving or stable home. But Stephanie wasn't going to a loving and stable home. As we saw in Casey's story, foster parents prefer to foster younger children and babies, which leaves youth like Stephanie to be placed in group homes and other such programs until they age out. With facts like these, those feelings of abandonment often seem validated. And so, Stephanie went to a group home was right across the street from the juvenile detention center. So the shelter where I was at was really a transition home. And so I'm in the shelter with some kids who have, you know, right. spent some time in jail. So it's a mixture of, well, it, it only houses kids who are in the foster care system, right? right? So it just happened to be that some of these kids, you know, ran into some trouble. Mm -hmm and you know, ended up in jail. And then some are generally just there because they haven't found their forever home yet, they haven't found a foster care or adoptive family yet. Because I met one guy who lost both his parents, lived with his grandparents, and lost his grandparents. So literally, he has no family to take care of him. And he was at the, sh he's an orphan, so he was at the shelter waiting for his next placement. Foster children are at a greater risk than other youth for incarceration. There is even something known as the foster care to prison pipeline, a model that shows how 57.1% of foster youth who entered juvenile detention would be incarcerated within six years of aging out. With so much going on around her, we were curious how Stephanie kept it together. I would consider myself a chameleon. And prior to Germany, so I mentioned my parents are from Ghana. So I did spend a few years in Ghana as well. I guess during the span of my 14 years of living, of life, I've, you know, went through the whole transition of meeting new friends, making new friends in different countries, different environments. So I was okay. And I'm genuinely, I mean, I consider myself a nice person. I get along with people. And so for me, it was just making sure that I don't piss anybody off, right. I guess. Because again, everybody's from a different background. You don't know what they went to jail for or whatnot. And so while I was at the shelter, it wasn't so much that I belong here. It was a situation of I'm here, I'm gonna make the best out of it. Do I really necessarily trust people around me? Not necessarily. Right. But, you know, I'm going to make the best out of the yeah, situation. So, yeah, survival, survival instinct. It was really, as soon as I got placed in the shelter, um, I realized that, okay, Stephanie, now you're on your own. Um, you can either write your own destiny or um, let somebody else write it for you. So I made a promise to myself that I would make it out no matter what. Like, I would create a good future for myself regardless of what ha happened in the past mainly also to prove people wrong, especially right. people that I stayed with, but for myself as well.
Without that sense of trust, it was difficult for Stephanie to tell people about her status as a quote-unquote foster kid. It's not uncommon for children in care to keep their involvement with foster care a secret from people close to them. Along with the guilt Stephanie mentioned, shame and fear can prevent these kids from sharing their stories. Yes, I did. I had a friend, um, my best friend, who lived in Irvington at the time that I could confide in, and I also ran from home. As you've no doubt seen this season, runaway behavior is a frequent occurrence for foster youth. It's not unusual for youth in care to find empowerment in the act of running away. Uh, I failed at it. Because <laughs> when you run away from home, you don't run to another family member or family friend. <laughs> they'll tell, yeah, and they'll actually drop you off back home. But, you know, I was able to confide in her. Uh, obviously, when you're not in the situation, there's only so much that you can relate to the person. So, and then I had my diaphragm workers, caseworker, Belinda, um, but you really couldn't confide in people. Sometimes, circumstances can mean that a youth has little control over whether or not someone knows their secret, that they're in foster care. In high school, they came and picked me up right. on my birthday. I was escorted by cops, two cops and my caseworker, and it just so happened that one of my classmates was there and saw me. And it was, a, a, I don't want to say humiliating experience for me, but it was embarrassing. Because then everyone said, okay, why is she being escorted out by cops? You know, did she do something? Is she in trouble? And I was a straight A student. I was right. a very nerdy kid in high school. And I, I, let, I very much care about my reputation. I guess that's why I'm in the field of PR, public relations. And so being that that classmate found out about it, they ask, and you know, I, I guess in that moment, I'm like, well, since you already saw me crying and being escorted, I might as well share it with you. So I guess I had people to talk to. Yeah. Although embarrassed, Stephanie was grateful to have one more person to confide in. As we'll see next week, she would need all the help she could get as her foster care journey continued. Next week, you'll hear more from Stephanie as she moves through care from home to home and how she manages to begin building the foundations of success that would eventually find her at Wells Fargo. Here's a little clip of what to expect next week on What the Foster. So you wake up, uh, you get breakfast, uh, and breakfast, well meals, were served across the street. So we would have to walk to the juvenile detention center, walk to jail to eat. So we were eating jail food. Every night, I think by the hour, there's a staff member coming into your room because they have to uh, swipe their card just okay. for security reasons. Make sure that you're in the room because there have been many instances where people ran from the shelter. Even with the heightened security, mm -hmm. they somehow escaped. And now, here's an important census PSA. Census 2020 starts on April 1st. Census counts determine federal funding for foster care, schools, and more. The census is only done every 10 years, so kids who aren't counted in this year's census will miss out on 10 years of resources that they could have had. That's why it's so important to count your foster children and grandchildren who live with you when you complete the census. Census data is confidential by law. You can help make sure all kids are counted by sharing this information in your community. Tell them, we're foster families and we count. This is a message from Umbrella, a foster care nonprofit in New Jersey.